The Rogues of Sea and Sky. Tales from the world of historic, adventure, and steampunk fiction. Join us as we share our stories, interview fellow artists of all stripes, and discuss building an audience for our creations. Welcome aboard the good ship Morning Madness. <laughs> I am your captain for this pleasure cruise, Michelle Stinson-Ross, and we are joined by special guest Jay Alexander Greenwood. Hello, Alex. Good morning. All hands on deck. Your, let's see, your ration of rum is being served. <laughs> All pirate hands. Uh, All pirate hands. Well, we definitely have coffee aboard today. We do. And go Chiefs. Um, yeah. And, uh, uh, you, of course, call me Alex, of course. I, my, fancy, uh, my fancy pen name, which... Uh, I did uh, an episode of my podcast about, oh, look at me already plugging my own show. What, what are we doing? Okay, so <laughs> let, let me, let's fill the audience in just a moment. So um, like I said, this is author J. Alexander Greenwood. He oh, has wow. written, oh my gosh, five and working on the sixth in the John Pilot Mystery Series. So for those of you that are not familiar with the John Pilot Mysteries, I have included the link to the, what do you call it? The mothership for your brand and all your writing. It is included in the description of this video. Um, I've known Alex for, oh my gosh, what, six, seven years now? Uh, Right around the time he released his first book, Pilot's Cross. And we've kind of been following each other around the ether for (laughs) about that long. He has frequently been an encourager of all kinds of crazy doings in my world. And hopefully I have encouraged him along the way. One of the reasons why I wanted him to share his experiences with you is not only is he a fellow independent author, but he is also into public relations and marketing, much like I am. And he's got this whole audience building thing down but yeah because he can't resist the plug before we jump into that topic i want to give him a chance to tell you all about his podcast his books and rumor has it there's another john pilot book coming out soon oh you were so good and and before i plug stuff michelle you you may not remember you lived in key in the key west florida area and you knew Key West when I was writing the sequel to my first book. Pilot's Cross was the first book. Pilot's Key, which mostly takes place in Key West. And you were invaluable in... I've got a book on my shelf here. The record, Is it the Atocha? Or the Atocha? Yeah. Yes. You, you, you pointed me to that book, which I used some, some tidbits from it, but it also informed the, the, the plot of the book. You, you kind of kind of gave me uh, some reality checks on some stuff. Even though I've been to Key West a few times, it was you just were like this invaluable touchstone and such a sweetheart to me. And you always have no, no, no. <laughs> yes. And you've always been so so sweet, uh, sweeter than I deserve, and I appreciate that. And and it's funny uh, because Pilot's Key out of all the John Pilot mysteries is it's it's still the most critically uh, acclaimed and most commercially successful. So I see you're attached to, to, to what little success I've had. It's, it's you. So apparently it's time to get John back out on vacation. Yes. Just to, to get the plugs out of the way. If you want to know more about me and my books, go to pilotscross.com. P I L A T E S C R O S S. 
lot of people think it's Pilates, like the guy's teaching an exercise class. And you know. <laughs> so it's a mystery thriller series with a little bit of humor. Well, sometimes a lot of humor, um, snarkiness, um, but it's had some success. We've had four novels and one book of short stories. Um, all of the books, except for the book of short stories so far, have been semifinalists or received honorable mention in a couple of different indie book award competitions. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, Shelf Unbound magazine has uh, really liked most of what I've put out and given us some some nice notables and stuff like that. So uh, if you don't read Shelf Unbound and you're an indie author you or a reader, of stuff that's not, you know, stacked all over uh, the Barnes and Noble uh, location. You should check out Shelf Unbound. It's it's a great publication. But yeah, the the mothership is pilotscross.com, which the actual name of the site is Mysterious Goings On, which is uh, got a blog and merchandise links. You can get autographed books and stuff like that. It's got everything you need to know about um, the John Pilot mysteries and and me, your pal Al. Um, we do a podcast called Mysterious Goings On, which we've done 18 episodes to date. We're talking in August of 2016. So if you're in the future, ooh, hello, future, hello, are we still here? Okay, great. Then as of this as of this recording, we have about 18 episodes. We interview authors. There's one who writes a really cool pirate series that you're probably going to hear from on the show. So <laughs> check it out on iTunes. Mysterious Goings On. We talk about writing, especially in the genre and indie space and sometimes i go off on tangents it was named a new and noteworthy podcast by itunes when it first came out which was a nice bump when it started it's kind of leveled out a little bit on on the listenerships or the downloads at least since then but uh it's doing all right it's doing all right so i have that and uh today right michelle we're talking a little bit about author platform and marketing yourself so mm-hmm. if you have specific questions i could tell you tell you more about how i market my series or just whatever you'd like me to talk about. But that's really what I want to discuss with you is how did you build up this audience? Because for a lot of us, I know we get really knee deep in the weeds in our craft, whether that's writing or for musicians, you know, there are independent musicians, independent filmmakers, we get really into our craft and sometimes forget to connect with the audience that would be consuming whatever it is we're creating. And I I wanted to kind of get a little history from you as to how you got started from just writing a novel to building an audience for that series. Well, like most writers, I did it backwards. I wrote the book first and then all of a sudden went, crap, I I need a place for people who like the book to coalesce. Just a little, I'll just back up just a second and tell you, Pilots Cross, my first book, which has all the hallmarks of a first book, despite many revisions. Okay, but it's, it's okay. I'm not, if, it were, if I were really embarrassed of it, I, w- I wouldn't have it out there. And I shouldn't say stuff like that. That's a bad marketing thing. Never well, done your own work. But never mind what he just said, because I've read it three times already. That's how much I like it. Jesus, you're a sweetheart. Thank you. And it's and I've had two different editors on it, and it's you know it's as good as it's going to get. And it's it's thank you. It's not bad. I just I think I'm very critical of it because it was my first one, and I, I I cringed after I put it out because I realized that my first editor and I did not work well together, and there were some problems. But the point being, I kind of wrote it as a one-off deal. It's just like I had this great idea for a story from real life, and I was going to weave a mystery fictional mystery novel into that. And I thought, well, this will be it. I'll just do one book and that'll be the end of it. And especially if it doesn't 
sell or anything. And what the thing was, I tried to uh, get an agent. I tried a, no less than a hundred different agents. And long story short, got down to about three agents who were very interested in representing me at the time, or at least they said they were. They reviewed the book and they said, "Well, it's got some problems, but we can fix some of those." Mola got down to one agent in particular who was just short of offering me a contract. And this was 2008. And if you all remember 2008, you know that the economy went right into the dumper. And I didn't hear from her for a while. Well, finally she gets back to me. She's like, Alex, I'm sorry, but the economy is a disaster. There's nobody who's going to buy a book from an unknown. I'm scrambling to keep my head above water. So in other words, thanks, but so long and thanks for all the fish, right? So I put the book in the drawer and thought, well, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then I kept reading about publishing your work as an ebook and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I did. I just thought, well, why not? And I put it out there and, and actually sold moderately okay, uh, moderately well. And there was a, there was some decent reviews. We got a, a, a nod from a couple of contests. And I thought, well, hmm. And then I really thought, I really enjoy writing this. And so that's when I got into the aforementioned Pilot's Key as the sequel. But at that point, I realized, oh, crap, I don't really have a place for, for people to go. But I think it was really late in the game. It was still towards the end of the I think of Pilot's Key coming out in 2011 or 12 that I realized I, I should get a Facebook page together. And I, I believe that's around the time I got a Facebook page together, which built up a few, you know, a few followers, a few dozen followers right away and then kind of flatlined for a while. I'll talk to you more about that later. The, so the thing was, I started, you know, developing these places where people could, could find me when they did web search. So I was on Facebook, which of course it's its own little world. Michelle knows far more about Facebook and how that works with search than, than I do. But having the website with the blog built into it was starting to get some notice, which was great. And then I started developing other social media platforms. One that really helped me with search, with SEO, uh, search engine optimization, that really started helping me out, believe it or not, was the most maligned of social media platforms, which was Google+. Um, a, lot, a lot of my posting videos on Google+, posting um, hashtags about my books on Google+, really started, I started seeing my analytics go way up. And of course, it's pretty obvious why Google's the largest search engine in the world. And that was their social media platform that they devised as, as kind of crappy as it was to use. Very cool. So what you're saying is that, um, Aside from the work of actually creating whatever it is we're creating, there's there's a lot of work to actually building an audience. And and I I kind of come along the same path that you have as far as publishing work and that kind of stuff in that the traditional publishing houses really want to see a brand new name that has an audience behind them. It, it's, it's a less of a risk for them when we can prove that we already have people that are interested in what we're doing and will help support the work. And truth be told, from what I've been seeing lately, even if you do happen to get an agent, a major publisher, the heavy lifting of marketing and building an audience and maintaining a community around your work still falls on the author to do. I have friends. I had a friend who started indie. He he got picked up by sure, and his sales declined over his indie sales because even he was used to doing his own marketing. But at that point, it, it's like you said, Michelle, the the publisher wants you to do the heavy lifting, but within their strictures. And of course, also indie writers, we could write three books in three months and put them all out one after the other if we wanted to. But if you were the regular publisher, 
you're lucky if you get a book out every every year or every other year because their process is so long. The heavy lifting is incumbent upon the author no matter what. My my grandfather westerns for over 50 years now. He's, he's been gone for about 15 years now. Um, he, he never got, he was a mid-lister, who, but he never really got significant marketing help from publishers. And he was with, you know, Double D Westerns, which was an imprint, I believe, of Bantam and some of the larger publishing houses. I mean, he was with them and a few others. Um, he never got significant help. What's I, what's ironic about that is the ones who get the marketing push are the ones who don't need it. One, one thing I do is maintain a presence in the lives of my readers. Um, I, I believe I have over a thousand Facebook followers, which is, if you have a core as an indie of about a thousand people you can count on to buy your stuff, that's pretty damn good. Now, out of the thousands, a thousand people who follow me on Facebook, I can tell you right now they do not buy everything I put out. <laughs> but they're hanging around my, my Facebook page. I, I can look at my insights and I can see, you know, what posts interest them. And I can replicate some of that stuff on other social media platforms. And I'm not averse to occasionally doing a paid uh, uh, boost of the page or boost of posts to try to get people interested. But for example, uh, Michelle, I will boost, generally boost for a few bucks, post about there's a new podcast up just because I want to get more listenership to the podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you podcasting is just super simple if you've never done it before. It is to me because I've been doing it off and on for over eight years for different different clients and projects and stuff like that. But I can pretty well knock out, if it's just me talking, I can knock out a uh, episode of Mysterious Goings On in about an hour, hour, hour and a half because... I make my notes. I record what I'm going to say. A lot, a lot of times I don't have notes, uh, and that's obvious by listening. And then I have to go back and edit the, sh- the podcast because I don't like to hear my, oh, uh, um, I get rid of all of those. And that that can sometimes take me a long time. Um, listen, I just did um, see, or, and, you know, those things all go. Because I just, those, those things drive me crazy when I'm listening to a podcast, if there if there's a lot of them. And so I, I have to go through and cut those. And then I have to put my music in, you know, intro, outro. And then I have to upload it, write them the show notes for it. And then it goes through Libsyn, who I use, Liberated Syndication. And then you have to get it to go out to SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher and all that. And then I have to promote it. So really... Per, per week, per episode, it's about three hours, really, of my time, including promotion, to do a uh, podcast. Now, is the podcast getting me list, or getting me sales? I, I would have to say at this point, no, because my sales have been pretty flat since I started the podcast. But, Michelle, you made the point about how big publisher or publishers want the author to have a platform. Well, it doesn't matter if a publisher wants you to have a platform. You should want to have a platform. And I am experimenting with ways. What are the best ways to keep my readers interested? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitter? Is it the podcast? Is it my blog? Is it a combination of all of them? I'm not sure. The other reason I do this is because I think the more ubiquitous you are on social media and podcasting, things like that, the better your shot of getting mainstream media attention. Mm-hmm. I've been interviewed on, a, on local television a number of times, but still I view things like we're doing right now and my podcast as maybe auditions. Certainly. You know what I'm saying, Michelle? So like if um, you were my client and I wanted to get you on television to talk about uh, Revenge of the Siren Song or or the upcoming sequels, 
A lot of times a TV producer will say to me, well, Alex, do you have any tape on her? And I'll be like, actually, I do. And it may not be according to Hoyle news tape, but it's a Google Hangout. But that still shows, as they as they would say, she can talk. When they, and everybody can talk, but she can talk on camera. She's natural. They look at this and see me, and they go, "That guy talks a lot." <laughs> and you can't get a word in edgewise, you know. In fact, and then I'll see. I'm gonna take a break in a second. See, I'm already off to the next tangent. Uh, a buddy of mine is a media trainer, and I've been in the media, and I, you know, on the other both sides of the desk, so to speak, my whole career. But I remember I was on. I knew I had a four-minute segment on this local TV show, and I was in such a hurry. I wanted to make sure I got so much information in that I came off kind of talking really fast, and it was not natural. And I asked him, so what do you think? How do you think I did? And he just totally, you know, he said, well, points for getting all your, as he put it, all your well, all your crap in there. But he says, you know, demerits for just not seeming very at ease and seeming uh, not very natural. I kind of, sorry, I just kind of tangented on that, but those are some of the, some of my thoughts in that area. I'll drink more coffee. That's, that's just it. Everything is about, okay, being accessible because we're storytellers, particularly authors, but you know, even, even filmmakers and musicians, we're storytellers. Absolutely. And what better than to have a captive audience when telling our stories, right? Right. And sometimes we get so bogged down in character creation or plot or whatever that we can kind of get lost in our writing den and forget that there is an audience out there that really wants to ask us questions about, okay, where did that come from? It's so funny because in the process of getting ready to launch the revised edition of Revenge of the Siren Song, the companion audiobook, some of the extra stuff that I'm doing this time around that I didn't do the first time. I'm finding that there are extra opportunities. I've revamped and kind of revived my Wattpad account, my Goodreads account. There are all kinds of special places that people gather particularly just to read. And I wanted to make sure that not only am I reaching out to just general places where people congregate, like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, that sort of stuff, but that I'm also particularly reaching into those places where people gather to talk about books, literature, things that they like to read. And doggone it, if Goodreads isn't already asking me tons of questions, so what do you do about writer's block? Uh, Where did you get your ideas? Uh, Kind of the common questions, but that's part of telling a story. It's like people enjoyed the story. They got lost in it. They, They escaped into it for a while, and they're like, wow, where did that come from? And it's because we build community and we make ourselves as authors or creators accessible to the community once they've enjoyed the book and they're like, wow, okay, that was impressive. Can I talk to you a little bit about it? Right. Right. Um, And that's really what gets other people to notice us. Right. The more we talk about it, the more we engage with people that have already enjoyed the work, the more other people find the work. You know, Goodreads is is such a great point. I've I've done some giveaways of books on Goodreads. I've done some little little mini author interviews. I've I've tried to replicate blog posts on there. There's there's so much to do, but you just reminded me that I haven't really... I love the RSS feed feature on Goodreads. So I I can publish it on my blog and Goodreads pulls it in. Love you for that, Goodreads. That that is so great. Yeah, good. And the thing about Goodreads is obviously it's readers, and and so you just made a really great point, Michelle. And then okay, you got Facebook, and you got you find people who like your stuff, and that's great. And you want to maintain a fan page 
Goodreads is people who read and buy books, and that's their sole mission is to is to is to talk books and read books and review books. So I would recommend every author out there pay a lot of attention to Goodreads. Readers who don't write, of course, hang out there too. That's the whole point. But you know, you, you nailed it. That's a really good point. And I'm just kind of mentally kicking myself for probably not maintaining my Goodreads account as well as I should. Yeah, so Goodreads would be good to narrow it down to readers and doing it, if you're a writer, doing a giveaway, if you have you know, a paperback or a hardback and you want to give, give one or many away, it's a great way to get people to just follow you as an author anyway. Because a lot of the times when I'm on there trying to win books, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll think, well, I'd like to win that book. And, ooh, I've never heard that author, so I'll, I'll follow that author. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where my little marketing brain kicks in. I'll, I'll kind of give you all – I have promised a blog post to Alex about this, but I'll give you guys a little bit of a sneak peek here. I just recently ended a book giveaway contest on Goodreads. Uh, like I said, this is actually a relaunch of Revenge of the Siren Song. I had released this book as a completely self-done. I wrote it. I edited it. I created the cover art. I did everything myself. When I first released this book, it's like, (gasps) yeah, I know you're not supposed to do that, but I did. (laughs) I happen to have in a box that has moved like three or four times with me now, a stack of the original print copy of the, of basically what is now the first edition. I'm getting ready to market this relaunch. Let's give some of those away, right? So I offered 30 books. I am in the process of signing them and putting together a, a bookmark and a thank you letter and some stuff to actually get them sent out. And what I discovered when Goodreads gave me the list of winners back was just how much information I could get about people interested in what I do. So I'm getting ready to let you guys kind of take a peek under the hood of how I market a book because that list has turned into gold. I can actually look at the accounts, the Goodreads accounts of all of my winners and on their account, they publicly, willingly, voluntarily tell us what books they're currently reading, what books they would like to read, what books they've read and reviewed before, what they think of books they've read in the past. We can also look at who else they're connected to on Goodreads. There is actually a lot of interest data available about that sampling. I just wish to goodness I could get the whole 850-plus list of people that request an opportunity to win the book. I'd love to have the whole list, but even that sampling of 30 really does tell me a lot that I can use in how I present the book as far as um, how I position it um, on Amazon, on Smashwords, on CreateSpace, as well as on Goodreads. I mean, I can go back in and, and tweak the book description and the tags and stuff on Goodreads to be more reflective of what that audience says that they like, that they're interested in. I can also use all of that information as targeting data. If I want to spend some money to introduce new people to this book, I can use that information on Facebook. I can use it on Twitter. I can use it on YouTube if I get around to doing a book trailer. Uh, There are several different ways that I can make a lot of use of what was basically just a giveaway. I get a lot out of that. That's that's worth gold to me. 
you're, you're so smart. I mean, the only thing you can't do is spam those people with email in the future, right? I mean, you can't, you can send them a book, right? But you can't continually hit them up after that. Yeah. But you're not, unless, not unless they voluntarily sign up for my email list. Now, there's nothing wrong with sending them a thank you letter and saying, if you're interested, here's where you can go get my email newsletter. Right. I just because I just wouldn't want anybody to think they they could do that and miss the part where because if if Goodreads catches authors spamming people who 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 won the books after just after that initial deal without their permission, you're you're booted off of Goodreads. Um, but when you, no, and that's not what I'm talking about you know, at all. I'm talking about taking all of that intelligence right. from those people and then using it not only on Goodreads but every place else that I'm doing marketing. So smart, so smart. Um, and I'll admit it, I've never even thought to, to, to look at that. But I, I, but the other reason is probably because you gave away 30. I think the most I've ever given away is two at a time. Mm-hmm. So I get two, and that's not really a, a big enough sample. So that's a clever idea. I have still got a few of my first editions. So do you make it very clear this is this is pre-revision and that there's going to be some stuff in there that you might find? But is that clear yeah. to everybody? Yeah, it was very clear that this is a first edition. And the welcome letter will also explain, hey, this is a first edition. You might find bumps and stumbles along the way, but rest assured, if you're interested, please let me know. There's going to be a new ebook, a new print book, an audio book. Yeah, I mean, if if they're a little bit wah, wah, disappointed in, in the first edition, they, they have plenty of opportunity to get the new one. Get the new one, yeah. Well, that's good. Um, and uh... But mostly what I'm hoping that I get out of you know, sending them the book and, and engaging with them. Oh, by the way, as I sign these, I'm actually going and looking at their Goodreads account and getting a sense of who I'm signing each of these books to so that these are really very personalized. And that's because Goodreads allows me to get to know each of these people a little bit. You are so smart. You are you are so data-driven. And, and, and uh, you know, authors are going to have to learn some of these tactics. I, I need to learn to be that way, too. Well, you know what? This isn't any different than, you know, the same tactics that you would employ if you were meeting people at a cocktail party, right? Right. All I'm doing is making a little extra effort to get to know the person that I'm engaging with and asking them a few questions or paying attention, more importantly, to what they're already saying to other people that they're conversing with so that once I step into that group, I can say, oh, I'm interested in that too. That's really fascinating what you had to say because a lot of successful marketing, although yes, you have to get your message out there, but truth be told, successful marketing is a lot more about listening than it is about talking. That's why I'm just listening right now. (laughs) <laughs> no I, I i i you're so right we're, we're kind of taking lemons and making lemonade with these first editions i was a little nervous about putting mine out because of the bumps in them but i make it really clear people position mine as collector's items if you're a true diehard collector and i've got a few i've got about i would say there's about eight people who want everything there's others that are much more casual though like i'll buy the i'll download the ebook and all that but there's about eight people who want every book Everything you know, they want, and they want signed just so, and all this stuff. And one of those people even calls me every few months. I mean, where's the next book? And and that's that's <laughs> not me in the phone book. I think that's great. No, that's but, not me. <laughs> as no, as you, diehard no. fan as it is, I'm not the one guilty of that. No, no, but the, you know, 
that, that's another great idea. You know, I, I mean, to kind of wrap it up, because I've talked talk to talk, but I, I got to go soon. But the, the way, um, the thing I would recommend to you, and, and some of you might say, well, I'm a published a book. How can I create a community? Well, if you, if you've got the book about ready, let's say you haven't published yet, but you know, the title, you've got the cover art, you've got stuff, at least save the domain name, save the Facebook name, get on Goodreads as a reader and start following people who are particularly in your genre and commenting and liking and enter contests and win some other books and that kind of thing. Start that now, even if, or, or maybe you don't even know the title of your book yet. Get as many placeholders as you can and prepare for that. And then develop a strategy for updating that. I don't update my, my Facebook page for, for authors, for my author, uh, for my book series more than five times a week, probably. And it doesn't seem to affect things. The days I've updated it twice a day for six days a week, I don't see a big uptick in readership either way. And then, and make sure, and this is for another, this is for another call or another, another interview, perhaps when you're on my show, vary your content. Just please make sure that it's not always about you and your books because the cocktail party analogy, which Michelle just brought up is like, I use that all the time when I give talks and seminars and lectures is we've all been to a cocktail party where you get stuck in a corner with the guy and all he talks about is himself. And all you want to do is get away from people like that. So if your social media is reflective of that, if all it is, is me, 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 buy my book, buy my book, people are going to ditch you in droves. So just a little free advice from me on that. The last thing I would recommend today on this topic is be responsive. If somebody takes the time to buy and read your book and then takes the time to reviewing it, which is like gold, you know, getting people to review books, that's that's another discussion too. But if they take the time to reach out to you on Twitter or social media or wherever you, you are or your blog, be quick and responsive and gracious. Even if they're, I've had this, even if they're, they're saying things that aren't incredibly kind about your work, be responsive, not argumentative, just thank them for reading, thank them for taking the time to respond. Remember, on social media, you're not just responding to that one person, and generally you're responding to the whole world at large who can see it. There was that the writer who she got some really bad reviews and started getting on Amazon and arguing really irrationally, and she just it went on and on and became kind of a social media sensation a couple of years ago, and she just totally blew up her reputation and embarrassed herself and incredibly. Anyway, build your platform. Manage your platform, take care of your readers, do like Michelle says, get some intel, find out who your readers are, what they like, and go after them. And, of course, the most important thing is to keep writing. Absolutely, yes. And don't fear this process either. Pick one channel, one, whether it's Twitter or whether it's Facebook or play in the playground, play in the sandbox that you're most comfortable with first. Right. Don't feel like you have to... Alex and I are crazy. We're, we're everywhere. You don't have to be everywhere. Play yeah. in the sandbox that you're most comfortable with. Enjoy the heck out of that conversation in that place that you really, really love. And if you have questions, by all means, <laughs> Alex and I actually do this professionally. Please reach out to us. We'll help you. We'll do our best. We certainly will. Um, you can find me pilotscross.com is my book site. Also my PR site. My public relations firm is AGPR and that's Alex G. PR.com. We do work with some authors. You got to have a budget. Of course, you know, I've got to eat. Kids got to wear some new shoes every now and then. But, you know, if it's just a quick, quick question or something like that, I'll be happy, you know, for a quick question to give you my opinion or my honest answer of how to approach something. 
and if you need more than that um, and I can't work with you professionally for whatever reason, I know a lot of people who I can refer you to. So I'd be happy to do that. Fantastic. Fear not, everyone. The links and all of those places that you can reach both Alex and myself are going to be available in the description, in the show notes. Trust me, I will take really good care of you on that. And for today, that will do it for this pleasure cruise of the Rogues of Sea and Sky podcast and webcast. Oh, well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it was my, it was my pleasure, sweetie. It really was. Uh, you're, you're just such a good friend and resource to so many people. Thanks uh, for flattering me by having me on. And uh, I'm going to return the favor, if you will, and I'll have you on Mysterious Goings On very soon. You have been listening to the Rogues of Sea and Sky. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher or iTunes and follow host and author Michelle Stinson Ross on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for more on writing and marketing fiction. <laughs>